This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast. I'm your host, Arum. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Let's start the show. I'm here today with a very special guest, Mr. Martin Sally. Martin is a Ugandan entrepreneur operating in the agribusiness sector with over eight years of experience. He's devoted his early career practice to the introduction of new soy foods and the development of the soy value chain, which involves simulation of soy production, market chain improvement, and household and industrial soybean utilization. Martin is the CEO of National Soybean Network. He's the director and founder of Smart Foods Limited, and he also works as a strategy and business development consultant with the Presidential Initiative for Banana Industrial Development, which is aiming for the commercialization of novel food products. After the Mandela Washington Fellowship, he has worked to further deepen his work as a consultant in strategy and inclusive business development and strengthen his entrepreneurial efforts in his company and several rural farmer groups. Uh, Martin, I've given sort of a very brief introduction of yourself. I know you're very busy and you have a lot of things going on, but can you take time to fill in the gaps there and give us a glimpse into your personal life? Well, um, thanks for the introduction. Um, I really think that you said most of it, really, because that's what I am right now. Um, uh, but probably just, uh, I think the order should be really, um, um, I run, I'm the founder and the director of Smart Foods Limited, which is a food processing company focused on soybean products in the country. And then, uh, definitely, I, uh, I also run an NGO which promotes, um, soybean production, utilization, and marketing in the country, really looking at how farmers can be connected to the marketplace. And um, based on the work which I've done um, uh, in my private company, the NGO, and also my own experience, so I also do consulting with them um, um, uh, on innovative projects which are commercializing products, like the Presidential Initiative on Banana, where in Uganda, where um, I, I consult on the initiative to see that they can be able to get Market, local markets, international markets for value-added banana products. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really yeah. good. And so, how uh, did you get into the agriculture sector? Because we hear a lot about the governments in Africa trying to push younger people into those sectors, and that's uh, sort of a challenge for them. But how were you able to um, focus and and uh, start this uh, soybean uh, company, Smart Smart Foods? Yeah, I, I think this, this really stems from my own background. Um, I am a food scientist by training. I am a scientist. I did the Bachelor's of Science in Food Science and Technology. So this really, this is really an agriculture-based course, which I did and I graduated in 2008. So towards the end of the course, that's when I really got so much of the interest to say that, you know, I can do much more in the food industry in Uganda and also Africa at large, since I've been since I, I have been empowered um, uh, with the course which is looking at food validation and processing, but not only to look at the food validation and processing, but how can you go further and have a reach out also into the communities? Because um, I, I believe that success is not only to an individual, but success and the success which also. Uh, which which also encompasses so many people around you, and if the if the community is happy, if the community is devout, the new individual, whatever they're doing, 
will also be a success. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. One thing I'd like to draw yeah. out is the fact that um, when you were talking about what you're doing and why you're doing it, you didn't really mention uh, the money aspect of it. You mentioned first uh, being able to provide value to the people within your community and having yeah. those people appreciate that value, and that's driving business for you. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think, that, thanks for noting that, actually very powerful because when I started out, it wasn't really about the money, but um, mm-hmm. I strongly believe that if you do something that the community loves, if you do something that the consumer will enjoy, then, um, then that is enough to, able to draw income to you. But if you only focus on the money bit of it, then you lose focus of what impact or what change you're going to have within the community and the space in which you are working in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's that's very good advice to those who are yeah. listening is focus yeah. on the person that you're building your business for. The money will yes. come if people find value in it. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. Uh, to, so with this uh the soybean processing that you do, what level like what level do you operate at? Because I'm curious, it, it seems like it could be a capital intensive business to start up. So can you talk a bit about how much you actually do and what the process is like? And also talk about how you're able to raise uh, money to start what you're working, what you've been working on. Um, um, starting up my venture was quite not so hard because um, like I said, as I finished my course, I got so much interest from um, from some of my professors because I was one of the best students, but um, my work was so much, okay, my focus as an individual was not to go out there and find a job, but uh, many of the professors who looked at me realized that actually there was something that I had that many of my other colleagues in school didn't have. So um, one of the doctors, actually is called Dr. Abela Tukwase, currently is a senior lecturer at the Department of Food Science, he offered me a hundred dollars, and uh, this hundred dollars w- was based on the mo- on my motivation to do R and D on soybean products. I was actually my idea was to develop to to develop a meat alternative. So I began with tofu, and uh, as I was trying to work out the process of how I can develop a meat alternative alternative in the country, I was telling finding the right material, the right technologies, the right ingredients. And so he offered me the seed capital of $100 to improve my R&D and so that I could be able to move fast on the work which I was doing. So I look at this as the, the very first investment that I got in trying, in, in getting all my ideas and, you know, getting to all my spheres of influence, which I am in currently. So um, my company currently, my, my company started, um, I was, when I started with the oil ideas, with all the different ideas, I was offered an opportunity to have all the ideas intubated, like, you know, company intubation or ID intubation within what is the Ford Technology Business Intubation Center at Macquarie University. Mm. So that's where actually my business is still housed currently. And uh, in the space, there are different sorts of equipment coming from, ranging from... Um, from batch pasteurizers, vacuum sealers, hydraulic presses, cold rooms, and all kind of stuff that one would need to be able to start up a new venture, to be able to see it as a success. Yeah. And of course, with some little bit of mentorship and coaching from some of the faculty staff 
actually able to see that uh, the, the idea is nurtured very well. But also, I was also given space to be able not to look at only one idea, but to be able to further innovate from one idea, able to further innovate into other ideas, to see that you are able to, to you know, because you won't only be stuck onto one product, but as you see that there's more consumer need, that there are gaps in the marketplace, then you're able to keep on innovating and being able to serve the consumer better at the end of it all. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, I'm curious, how many people do you employ today? Um, um, we have had some ups and downs um, over the last five years, but um, uh, I let me put it this way: I started with I started as an individual, then um, I, we went to two and three. You know, when Kristen came on board, who is currently my wife, mm-hmm. and uh, in 2012 I had about eight staff, 2013 I had about 14 staff, but then right now. Um, uh, we, we scaled down into big digital market changes right down. I have about um, six staff currently. Hmm. So we have been having the ups and downs, you know, for yeah. startups and all that. So currently, right currently I have about six staff on board. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned that word startup. That's a word that I really like. Uh, so yeah. for you, what is the the most exciting thing about being part of a startup? <laughs> now, um, to me, really... The most exciting bit about it was that, you know, you're having the space to be able to create. Mm. You, when you're still young and, you know, fresh from university, you don't have a family to look after. You don't have to worry probably so much about rent and, you know, what you're going to eat because you can be able to get back home and find something to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, you're having the space to be able to create, having the space to be able to innovate and mm. be able to find a solution. For me, that that was really exciting, and then being able to take a product out there, and people giving feedback and commenting. Some say it's nice, others say it's not. Probably do this and that, and you're able to fall back and then make a change and reapproach the market in a different perspective altogether. So mm-hmm. that you know, waking up each and every day, and you and you know that you're going to make a difference. That you're going to come up with something different. That you're going to go and uh, introduce something new to someone. And, you know, offer new experience to someone. So that is really, that was really exciting to me mm. about, you know, working in a setup company like my own. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And with that, that actually, I think, segues perfectly into uh, the next question where we talk a little bit about you as an individual and what makes you tick. Yeah. Uh, so what fires you up in the morning? What's your morning routine? <laughs> and why is that routine so important to you? <laughs> Oh, what fires me up in the morning? Um, let me put it this way, that every time I wake up in the morning, I think this is what, this is what comes up in my mind, that um, I have a product which is a solution to so many people, and my job is to make sure that it gets into the hands of the people. Mm. Then I also look at the different farmers in the countrywide, who are struggling to find enough to eat, who are, find, who are struggling to find matters for their products. So each and every day that I wake up, that's what is actually in my mind, that then you have to have impact on people's health, you have to have impact on people's nutrition, you have to have impact on people's incomes. Hmm. So that is always at the back of my mind. So sometimes I'm slow waking up, but then I say, no, Martin, you have to wake up because you have a job to do in this nation. If you want to be successful, then you have to be able to get out there and help out others. 
they both make a difference in their lives. So that gets me up in the morning. Hmm. So each and every day I wake up at about 5 a.m. in the morning. Wow. Yes. Um, I have a prayer for about 5 or 10 minutes. And then, um, then I take a light jog. Um, uh, I do this about three times a week. So from about 5.30 to about um, 5.45 or 6. Uh, from 5.30 up to about 6.30 a.m., I take a light jog and uh, get back home. So I make sure that by 7 a.m. I'm leaving home for work. Mm. So I do different things of work every day, but the first thing I do in the morning is to get to my company early in the morning, check out the orders we have for the, for the day, for doing the, any kind of processing, look at what we have for processing, make sure everyone is happy and all the machines are set to run. If we have the, if we're not doing processing, then make sure that we have orders ready, all the invoices, and you know, lab everything and get onto the road to do the town deliveries across across the across the city. Because currently we do our deliveries across the city. Mm-hmm. And um mm-hmm. yeah, and often by about um eleven, ten, eleven AM, maximum about midday, if well if everything's going on well, um I'm done with most of the company deliveries. And then that's when I that's when I sit down and do some of the other consulting I do for other people. And like with, um, I usually come, people usually come to me uh, for some consultancies and also like with the work which I do with the National Society Network and all the, the presidential initiative on Banana. So I get engaged with that work from about midday um, onwards. Okay. And I work up to about 7 or 8 p.m. in the night. Oh. Yeah, so then that's when I leave. I leave. I leave office at about eight, and then get back home at about nine thirty or ten p.m. Wow, that yeah. that sounds like a very uh, sort of rigorous and intense schedule. But one thing yeah. I wanted to pull out is um, I've read a bit about Elon Musk, and one thing I see is that the way he approaches work, the attitude to which he approaches work, is much similar to the way you do, in that. He looks at um, his work as a duty to humanity and a duty to other people around him rather than a way for him to to make some money, uh, which yeah. I think is a, is an interesting way to look at things, which gives you that extra motivation that you need sometimes to say, look, you're not doing this for yourself. You're doing this for the greater good of your people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. true. And that, that, that gets him motivated. At times, mm-hmm. even even when things are not going so well in the company, I know as long as I still have the spirit to have impact, mm-hmm. then that is where to go for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, good. And you touched you touched a little bit on this, uh, but being an entrepreneur, uh, being able to sustain yourself is a big part of that. So, can you share a few ways that you uh, generate income for yourself? Um, I can say it is tough being an entrepreneur. It is very tough, and uh, it's interesting and tough at the same time. I will share my own experience that, you know, when I started up after about three years, I looked at some of my other colleagues I was at the university with, the colleagues I graduated with, and they had kind of like moved miles ahead of me, you know, all of them driving already, some of them driving Porsche cars and all that. Mm. And here I am, an entrepreneur, I'm not even yet to buy a car. <laughs> so, so, so. So I look at I look at myself and I'm like, am I really doing the right thing? Mm. Uh, you, you know, it, it hits you back and you're like, 
um, probably I should find a job somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I could be in the same league with most of my friends. And then um, what really encouraged me was coming back, you know, I had a, I had a mentor and, you know, he was able to help me put, put me in line and to keep told me, you know, Martin, keep in your space and keep on working. Mm-hmm. So being able to sustain myself, I can say income has come from my company, you know, the beginning, but it has always been tough. Mm-hmm. But what has helped me is that, you know, whenever you have like a vision and, you know, an aptitude to go out there and help others, then somehow income uh, income comes in. So I'll tell you that, you know, the way uh, my income streams really, I get, I can say I only get about 10 to 20% from the company, but the rest of the income I, I get, I get in is really from the work I do for other people, the work I do with communities in seeing that there is a change in communities. The consulting services I do as a result of the experience I have in my own company has been able now to bring in actually more income um, to me, which I even further invest in my own company. Hmm. So with that kind of sphere of influence, it helps me to keep on um, uh, to to keep on having a stream of revenue as an entrepreneur. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. That's yeah. yeah. I think that's that's very fascinating. Uh, you uh, have your core business, what you're driving, but you also supplement that with, uh, um, with some of the, the experience and some of the expertise that you have that I'm sure a lot yeah. of it you gained through starting up your business that you also exactly. use in other exactly. facets to generate income for yourself. I think that's, that's, exactly. that's a smart thing. And you also see that yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs think that way. They think of where they can, uh, get, income they they think about supplemental sources of income as opposed to just uh receiving income from one one place yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that helps me yeah good yeah. uh and uh, so now we're going to shift gears uh we're going to talk about one of the the lowest points that you felt as an entrepreneur because we know as an entrepreneur you're going through ups and downs you mentioned a little yeah. bit about looking at your friends and all that but i want you to take us to um, a moment and really uh, we're going to test your storytelling abilities here we want to feel that moment <laughs> with you <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah i had really some low moments um um there was a time we, we were looking at a new venture mm-hmm. and um we had done we had, we had, after introduction of the TOEFL in the market mm-hmm. we realized that in the market space there was a huge need um for sausages, actually, the, the market required with there was a lot of beef sausages on the market, low quality, and sausages were retailing at about 20, 20 cents, 20 US cents. Mm. And they were all over, the, all over Kampala City on each and every street. So I realized that actually we have a space in which we can work in by introducing a non meat sausage, really from, 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 uh, from soy protein. Mm. And, uh, um, very many people thought this wouldn't work out at all, but then I worked, I did R&D for about a whole year, and uh, I also got support from the World Initiative for Soil and Human Health. I traveled to the States like three times to work in different labs to develop this product, and finally, at last, after about one and a half years, we had, um, we had a, a, a sausage, you know, a sausage snack mm. from, from soy protein ready to be introduced on the local market in Uganda and also the region. 
this was one exciting innovation mm. that um, all that I watched all different media, print and um, all all print and digital media in here in the country. Everyone was really coming to to my doors, and you know, I was running interviews back and forth. Mm-hmm. And um, I also took up the first loan um, uh, of about uh, fifteen thousand US dollars to be able to invest into this venture. So um, uh, everything, all the mathematics, everything was just exciting about this venture, mm-hmm. and uh, and we really looked at this this innovation as you know one of the wonder innovations for the industry here in Uganda and the region. And um, after, and we also focused to see that we would also have this product getting to the hands of the Muslims in the country because most of the Muslims were not eating sausages for the fear that they would spoke in the sausages and mm-hmm. also they were scared of the casing of the of almost of the sausages. So mm-hmm. here I provided the plant-based option and I was really walking away with the entire Muslim market within a space of just about six months. Yeah. Uh, we, we were retailing about $3,000 per month within just six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those were very good numbers for any startup. But then after about um, six months, there was... Um, Something which came up in the media. Um, I remember. I remember very well. I was seated home in the couch and watching news one of the local televisions. Mm. And here they showed some kids were washing um, were washing um, uh, intestines from from an abattoir, and they were washing them in a stream of dirty water. Mm. So this was shown on television. And the, uh, one of the guys was asking, interviewing, interviewing these kids who are watching the, the intestines, like offals, um, um, uh, in the in the stream of dirty water. He asked them, "Where do you take this? Who is this?" So these kids answered that we take these to the companies that process sausages in the country. Mm. So, and uh, this interview asked them again, "Is this really true?" The kid says, "Yes, we, we this where we send them." And this went all over the media. It went all to the print media. So mm. basically, it affected, it affected the entire sausage market all together in the country. Mm. All the big companies selling sausages could not sell any more sausages in the country because of the negative media which had come up that, you know, um, the, the, that ingredients are being used. This story wasn't really true, but then it was repeatedly played over and mm. uh, and all the different mainstream media. So when I woke up the following day, I didn't really know the impact of all this. But then when we approached our different clients from the making distributions, basically everyone was throwing away all our products. Mm. And this we couldn't believe at all. I remember I had scheduled to run, I was running radio interviews on actually some Muslim radio stations because the Muslims were very excited about the innovation. And I remember receiving the call at around 3 p.m. But Martin came over to the studio here. So I went over to the studio. And the program manager told Martin, we are stopping any more adverts or the soy sausages on the radio. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, this is halal. But then, because of what's happening in the media, we can no longer run any of your adverts on radio and we can no longer host you. Wow. So this really hit me so hard. I had the loan of fifteen thousand US dollars to pay off. I had a stack up of a lot of raw material I had imported from out. And here was here was I. Um, uh, each and everything was crumbling on me. Hmm. I couldn't I couldn't have any more media access. I was basically blocked out of any media. 
because of of because of negative media coming from somewhere else it was so hard for me to pay off the loan because i uh or the sales revenue just went totally down um uh, our product stopped moving in the supermarkets because then we even tried to do some some promotions but then uh, it really did not make a lot of um impact at all in the market because everyone still had this negative perspective and image uh, imagery which they had seen on television mm. so this was really one uh, and then as we tried to make things work somehow back and forth we also got equipment breakdown some were using some sophisticated equipment in mm. the intubation center so two of the machines also broke down just after about three weeks wow. so this was really like a month whereby you know we have done a lot of good work for the last two years preparing for your you know for your get up innovation and everything and then each and everything kind of just crumbles mm. and uh it is nothing that you would probably plan for this is not something that you would say that um um when you're developing a business plan there are things that you say this may happen or we could have our competition come up attacking us and everything so you know everything happens um from within the within an environment that you didn't suspect at all yeah. so this was really one of the lowest moments i can say as an entrepreneur yeah. whereby you're stuck you're, you're basically stuck in the middle i, I had that time i remember i had about 16 employees yeah. and i couldn't even have enough money to pay them off and i had yeah. to lay off several of my staff yeah. because i could no longer sustain them yeah, yeah. wow yeah, so so that was really you know some of the hard moments of being an entrepreneur and you know being in the food business. Hmm. Yeah, that that inspired the fact that you do so much to make things work. At times, something hits you from an angle you didn't expect it at all. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know I'm, I I think we have to give you a ten out of ten for your storytelling abilities. There, you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as you went along, you were telling the story. I was saying, well, what what possibly can happen and i think just i'm sure that your sense of amazement was also my sense of amazement is uh at that moment when you said you turned on the 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 news and all over the print media they were printing these things that weren't necessarily true and you said sometimes uh, life will just hit you from different angles and when that's coming how do you react how did you push forward from that um it was it was really hard um at first i tried to react I, I, I reacted whereby I tried to brand the product differently, mm. um, tried to communicate differently. So in terms of reacting, I still made actually more mistakes and I lost money along the way. Mm. So I tried to react to the process and it wasn't making sense. Um, by, by trying to react by rebranding and calling the product differently. Like I come up with a different name which wasn't actually sorted. Mm. But then at the end of the day, you still, the item is still in the shape of a sausage, so you can't <laughs> deceive people for so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will only be for, it will only be, you know, for a short time, and then people will know that you are actually just food winking them. And then, you know, I try to step back a little bit and think so hard that, you know, how do you move ahead in this process in this time? Probably go ahead and speak to one to one and run some promotions whereby you're there at different supermarkets and talk, to, talking to people showing them something different that actually what was portrayed in the media was wrong and actually we're doing something much better for health and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was for only about a month, but what, and we saw some small change in ourselves. But what so happened was that, what we realized was that, you know, 
when we would speak to some of the clients and they would buy the products, but when they would take them home, you know, the people at home would still have the negative perspective. And so mm-hmm. it would be hard for you to speak to almost each and every one. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you speak to the mother who buys the sausage, but when she gets home, you haven't been able to speak to the child at home who asks for the sausage. Mm-hmm. So at, at home, everyone is, has a different perspective altogether. And you don't have all the money to be able to run a very big commercial campaign mm-hmm. um, uh, remarketing, remarketing the product. So this was really hard on our side. And then also still, when we got some equipment breakdown at the incubation facility. Mm. And uh, being a government facility, we couldn't have it being worked on very fast. So I tried to maneuver by going to another incubation facility where I could produce my products from. Halal, I guess I guess the people listening know what halal means, that this is a product which is good for, for the Muslims and they can eat yeah. it with, with, with no worries at all. Mm-hmm. So. In, still, in terms of responding and reacting, so you know where because if you have equipment breakdown and you have to go to another facility, mm-hmm. so this was really a huge challenge on my side as an entrepreneur, mm. and uh, in terms of responding and reacting, still it didn't work out as perfectly as mm-hmm. I really wanted it to work out. And then I had what I had to do as an entrepreneur is now to step back and rethink the process and rethink of what can I be able to do now after all this just happened in, in a period of about four, four, six months of trying to get things working. Mm. So what I decided to do now was, first of all, since the, since the soy sausages were my second innovation, I decided now to further focus on the very first innovation, which was the tofu. Um, tofu, tofu was now to put more focus on it. Mm-hmm. I, of course, I had to lay off some workers since, um, uh, since of this, of the slow revenue. And then now focus more on, on the other products which I was already having, and then also to look at to look at now still the market environment and seeing which gaps were still existing and how I could be able now to also introduce other products along the way and mm. still get up again in the marketplace. Mm. Mm. Yeah, wow. you know, I I just keep keep thinking as you were talking. When it rains, it pours, and it seems like one thing after the other with the issues in the media to. Yeah. Uh, the machine equipment breaking down into some of your efforts in, in trying to rebrand and remarket yeah. just everything failure after failure after failure I'm sure it uh, it wears on you but you're still here today and that's where I want to uh, yeah. sort of jump ship <laughs> and, and talk about um, one of your most defining moments as an entrepreneur at what point did you say I can really do this I, I, I can be here I belong here um, I, I, let me put it this way, but, but um, at some point, you know, after all this, it really weighs down on you. But then um, the good thing, I had some good mentors who told me, and then I, was, I wasn't just out of the intubation facility. So I knew that I can still be able to move on. So I can say one, one of the defining moments as an entrepreneur and all this good work, let me, uh, uh, um, a first one forward would be, I can say, um, uh, Meeting President Obama mm. recently, last year, to me it was a defining moment because qualifying to get into the Young African Leaders Initiative and being a Mandela Fellow required one who, had be, who was you know, a rigorous entrepreneur and having an influence in the community and doing a lot of work along the way. Mm. So um, being honored and being part of the Mandela Washington Fellowship, to me, was like at some point I couldn't believe myself that you know after all this um, people still respect you and you're still being held up there 
Mm. And you're even meeting President Barack Obama, the greatest leader in the world. Mm. So this was really my defining moment in, in that was in August 2015. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can only imagine. Um, uh, I remember meeting you uh, sometime around that. I think it was a little before August. And yeah. uh, just being so impressed, uh, talking with you a bit, not, not nearly as in-depth as we are today, but talking yeah. with you and hearing all of the work you were doing. I mean, it was very evident why uh, someone like you would have been selected for, for, that, um, yeah. for that program, that fellowship. Yeah. And so what would you say has been the benefit um, for your business and for you personally, uh, being part of the uh, Mandela Washington Fellows, um, to me it was something which which um, created more opportunities for me. Mm. I can put it this way: that when I return into the country, and uh, there is what I realized that women who are now were now coming up to me and wanting to hear my story. How I got in, how I even got into the fellowship. So this is what happened: that I got, I began getting more calls for 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 obtaining venture capital for my business. Mm. Then I began getting more calls for for, for consultancies, mm. you know, to get out there and uh, and help out other businesses. I began getting more calls to go and work with youth groups and you know motivate them, show them what to do. Mm. At the end of it all, so so really, really the entire the entire the entire fellowship was able to raise to raise my my portfolio further to know that you know yes with all this we have been able to get out there and and uh, we expect more from you. That was actually the other issue which came up that now the expectations from the people around me were raised much higher, and everyone was saying yes after you have come back now our expectations from you are much higher. And we expect you to deliver more. So, for example, when I still got back, um, I was consulting with the Banner Initiative, but now I was actually asked, asked to head the entire portfolio of, uh, of, of marketing, international marketing for the Banner products, and it's one of the biggest government projects in the country. Wow. So, and, and this profile was still offered to me by the Mandela Fellowship and also my entrepreneurial background. Hmm. I guess without the fellowship, I wouldn't have been able to get in there. But the fellowship also offered me opportunity to be able to interface with international markets and international dealerships with different with, with different business people, you know, across, you know, through through Washington DC and Wisconsin and you know wherever I was. So this these are connections which I am now currently using as i do my different work in the country oh yeah yeah wow yeah yeah you you know yeah i I never uh, i guess i never really fully realized the uh exposure that comes with uh being being part of that program but it seems like you've benefited greatly from that that's great yeah yeah Yeah. and so so now we're going to move into the uh rapid fire round are you ready I guess so. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure you'll do fine. All right. So what was stopping you from taking that step to become an entrepreneur? I think it was the fear of being able to, to live without some money for a while. Mm. That was the fear which I had. And many of my friends had gotten into entrepreneur, had gotten, had gotten jobs. And being lonely, let me put that way, entrepreneurship is lonely. Mm. So that was really a fear which I had. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so it was, so the, so I had to fight the internal fear within me of being lonely and doing things on your own and doing things differently from other people. 
that creates fear if you are doing, into, doing something new, introducing a new product, a new market space, that creates fear as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And at what point did you stop looking at your business as a project and more as an actual business? Um, I remember very well that was in 2010 after introducing my first product on the market. I was I was I was quickly asked to get onto radio with one of the most popular health doctors in the market in Uganda, mm-hmm. and uh, I stepped onto the radio station and spoke spoke so audibly and confidently about the business which I'm doing. And the following day, I got so many calls and orders coming in from left, back, and center. Mm-hmm. So I realized that's what, when I began getting revenue from the work which I'd done for about two years in the lab. That's when I realized actually this is just not a small project, but this can be now transformed into a real business at the end of it all. Okay, that's the moment when I even went ahead to register it, to register the business, and I called it Smart Food Limited because I realized that now it could be able to make money. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And what quality do you have that most contributes to your success as an entrepreneur? Um, I think it is persistence mm-hmm. and being able to think um, um, beyond the, sm- the space around you. Mm. Yeah, and being, uh, and to me, to me, I, I have this inner being of being able to say um, uh, what, what would, being able to place myself in the consumer, in the consumer shoes. So each and everything that I do, I try to position myself in the consumer perspective, mm. in the consumer shoes, I place myself in there. What would the consumer think about what I'm doing? So, so I usually don't push onto my side that you know what would I want to give out there, but what would the what would the person out there be expecting from mm. me? Mm. And whenever I do that, I'm able to innovate. I'm able to think, you know, um, uh, I'm able to think more creatively, and I'm able to deliver more much mm. more than even what people are expecting because now I combine what someone be expecting from me and then and then and then to me I know that I always ought to deliver beyond the expectation. Mm. And that keeps me moving. Because mm. if I, I if I if I deliver just the expectation it doesn't move me. But I should be able to deliver beyond the expectation of someone or to the client or in any other person I'm working with. So all through my work all through my peers and all through my supervisor, all the work which I do, I try to deliver beyond expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And I think that's a very good quality to have to, um, you, you have this ability to uh, look into the mind of the person using your product. I think that's uh, uh, that's almost a superpower in, in, in many respects when it comes to entrepreneurship. <laughs> and uh what would you say is your weakness? Uh, what quality would you say is sort of a weakness of yours? <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, uh, um, I think my weakness could be in the, in the uh, I hate things which are slow. Mm-hmm. All right, or let me put it this way, that sometimes I'm slow in decision making, that I can have about, I can have one idea then I quick I quickly split into about six ideas, and then I fail to decide on which direction to take. Hmm. And I think that is that could be one of my major weaknesses as an individual, something which I'm working on. Hmm. So that you know, I, at times, at times I I also am I also take on much more 
then what I can be able to match. Mm. So I, I often say so many yeses than the, the no's. Mm. So I realize I have a lot on my plate and yet I cannot consume it all. So that mm. affects me also. That's one of my weaknesses which I'm also working on. Hmm. And yeah, yeah. One thing I want to point out is that uh, you find uh, those those entrepreneurs who are successful have the ability to realize their weaknesses. They have their ability to identify their weaknesses and they work to correct them. And yeah. for, for you, how would you say, I mean, uh, while you're still working on it, how do you sort of protect yourself against that weakness really, really coming back and affecting you too much? Um, of of late, what I'm what I'm doing of late is to have is to have a focus. Hmm. Is to ha- is to have focus and to know, you know, where will I have more return on investment? You know, if I take on the if I take this on, will will I have sufficient time to get it done well? Hmm. So I realize, So what I'm doing these days is that if I know that I'm not going to be able to deliver on something fully, then I rather not do it and do it because. If I, if I take it on and I can't fully deliver on it, then that means I'm going to disappoint people and I'm not going to put in my best since I won't find enough time and wisdom and knowledge to be able to put into it. So mm. if I know I won't find enough time to deliver on something, I, I, I may say at the beginning, but then I may say yes at the beginning, but then quickly I can I, I turn up to this, to this person to the video and say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to have enough time for this. Please give it to someone else. So, so of late now, I'm having that kind of refocusing and being able to, to, to put my energies and focus on things which I know are going to have more value, and and I'm able to, going to be able to be fully accountable mm-hmm. for, and I'm going to be able to deliver on them as as expected. Hmm. Wow, a yeah. lot of a lot of great things that you said there. Um, I, I want to point out that you didn't say. Uh, you analyze what you do based on how much money, but but instead you analyze whether you'll you'll do something or not based on how much value you'll be able to add in the allotted time period, and I think uh, that goes in line what and uh, with what we continuously hear around us is uh, uh, be a person of value. Yeah. Be a person yes. of value. It's really important yes. to make sure yes. that you're a person of value. And and as Martin stated before, once you you sort of set yourself up as a person of value, uh, other work continues to come in. And he said you you just sort of realize that money finds its way to you when you focus on being a person of value. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yes. And uh, what's the best advice you ever received, and who was it from? <laughs> Now I've received a lot of advice, mm. um, but I think I can still. I I think it's from really my mom. Mm. Yeah, it's really from my mom. My mom. My mom has always told me, Martin, go out there and work hard and work smart. Mm. That's mm. what she has always told me to do. Go work hard and work smart, and make sure that you do not ashamed me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's a it's a heavy that's a heavy burden to to, to carry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so it, it it so happens that sometimes when I'm trying to make decisions and everything, um, it comes back to my mind that would this make my mom happy? Mm. And uh, if I realize that it will not be able to make my mom happy, then I say no to it. Mm. If I realize that, if I realize that I'm not going to put I'm not going to be able to work hard on this, then probably I put it off. 
So um, my mom is really, she's a hardworking woman, um, but she, and, and she still remains as a source of inspiration to me mm. um, in all that I do. Because um, I, I'll probably the question which you did ask was really about my family. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but, but really, I come from a family of seven. Or, or family of seven, wow. and uh, my 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 parents are, are, are secondary school teachers, or mm. call them high school high school teachers, both mm. of them. And um, our last born is actually has actually gotten also into high school, so. Mm. And uh, right now, I'm also looking up to, uh, so now, I also now have to pay tuition for my siblings um, because my, uh, my, my dad is retired currently mm. and, uh, and my mother still has about five years to retirement. So, mm. so there's a lot of work ahead of me. Oh. But really, I still look at her as a source of inspiration so, mm. for, for most of the work which I've been able to do. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great. I think... Uh, we we definitely from from just uh, the the advice you gave there. That's the impact of a parent, and especially the impact yeah. of an African parent. Uh, uh, and what book are you reading right now? Ah, right now, um, uh, right now I'm reading a very interesting book. It is called uh, It is called Zero to One. Mm-hmm. Very good. Zero to One. Yeah, it is the latest book which was published, I think, last year mm-hmm. by Peter Sale. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's tough, it's, it has notes on startups and how to build the future. Very interesting book. Yes, yes. I've uh, read yeah. that once before. I'm due for another reading. But uh, for those of you who don't know, Peter Thiel was uh, uh, one of the people who founded PayPal with Elon Musk. Uh, yes. It's, uh, it's a very interesting book. Uh, you'll learn a lot from it. And what we're going to do is um, underneath... Uh, Martin's bio page and the information about this this uh, specific episode. We're gonna add that book there. I think it's a really great book to to follow. Mm. And uh, but 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 then uh, I also think that one of the books which was really my source for inspiration was uh, the book by Robin Sharma. Mm. One of the books by Robin Sharma. You know, when I was setting up my ventures, of course, when I was setting up, I really I. You know, as as university, when you're at university, you read so many things back and forth. So mm-hmm. I read so much um, from uh, from Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. I think with every young person reads um, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and uh, you know, my parents being 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 high school teachers and always going through the rat race each and every month. Um, bills coming in and there's just not enough on the table. So really, in my heart, in my mind, I just know. You know, when I get out there, I don't want to be in the right place. So I really have to get into entrepreneurship and follow what is being what 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 uh, Kiyosaki is writing about in which that poor dad. Mm. Um, um, so that inspired me. But then this I combined so much with Robin Sharma's book on um, who will cry when you die. Mm. Have you heard of it? So um uh, it really inspired me even through all the work which I was doing that you know you shouldn't just go through life just for the sake of going through it mm. just for the sake of working but then you know you, one should be able to leave a mark on people mm. you should be able to leave a mark on the country you should be able to leave a mark on the nation mm. that you know when you go away you're able to leave like a trail that you know this is this is the trail, this is the mark which I was able to leave 
mm. you know when i had a chance to be to have impact you know um uh, on earth or in the country mm. and that that book really inspired me that you know what can what will people keep on talking about you you know when you go away at the end of it all and which impact are you going to leave on people and on communities mm. and what is one internet resource or application that you couldn't live without ex- excluding <laughs> google Ah, you're putting me out of Google. <laughs> yes. Oh no. Um. Oh God, you have made it so hard for me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 okay, okay. Before I go out of Google, let me put it this way: that Google is the best of all of them. It's really the best of all of them. Um. um but then you know, as I was doing my uh, because all oh apart from Google, you have YouTube. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, YouTube. I think I beat you at that one. Um, <laughs> YouTube was really, <laughs> YouTube was really, was really inspirational because um, at times I really got stuck on what I'm doing, but then it so happened that um, in all that we do, you find that some someone has done something small of what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. and when you're able to put so many different things together, then you're able to design or to come up with a new idea, but because people are able to put a lot of free tools and free ideas and share ideas on YouTube and Google. And then, uh, and if you're able, if you're really looking out for something, then you can quickly be able to follow small, through, through several small threads mm. along the way and able to come up with designing a new product, designing a new service, and also creating a new opportunity and a new, and a new business which can be to change the communities. Mm. Wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great. I mean, uh I always find that uh entrepreneurs have a way of taking something that we see as primarily entertainment and use it as uh as a a, a tool for, for, for knowledge, for extracting knowledge. Yeah. I think it's an, an interesting trait that a lot of the entrepreneurs have. Um yeah. and how do yeah. you unwind from a busy, hectic schedule? Uh what is your, your sort of guilty pleasure? Ah, now, often people, whenever I, people actually don't think I, I am able to wind down at all <laughs> because I, <laughs> because every time I'm always like this go-getter, run after this, run after that. But um, often on the weekend, I put off time like on a Sunday like today um, from about 2 p.m. onwards. And, you know, um, I always carry a few movies at home, sit down at home and uh, watch movies, take some wine and take time off to relax a little bit. Mm. and be able to re-energize. And uh, during the weekdays, usually like on, either on Wednesday or the Friday evening, that's when I also get out probably to a small restaurant with a couple of friends and gaff about so many different things happening. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. it's really, yeah. to me, it's about, it's, about, it's about hanging out with some music and also, and movies. So this really makes a difference for me. Mm. And yeah. uh, I have to ask, what movie have you seen lately that you would, uh, that you would recommend? <laughs> Oh God! I have a challenge with names of different movies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but 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 uh, but really, one of one of my best really last year. Um, uh, um, of course, of course, uh, Fast and Furious Seven was one of my best last year, mm. which I really watched and uh, I enjoyed it so well. Yeah. Okay, there there yeah, you have yeah. it, endorsed by uh, Mr. Martin himself. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, 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 I love fast cars and I go out to the rallies whenever there are rallies. So mm. um, really fast and furious was very interesting for me. And also, of course, definitely it had the emotional beat of one of the actors dying, you yeah, know, being yeah. screened in the, in the, in the, in the, in the last movie. And, um, um, of, often that emotional bit gets to me at times, you mm. know, um, even my, even my daily life too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just important to, uh, to unwind from a hectic schedule because th- there's so much that the body can take. There's so much that the mind can take. You need to, you need yeah. to take time to unwind. And, uh, it seems like you set aside time purposefully, uh, dedicated yeah. just to unwinding, which I think is uh, absolutely necessary. And and the other thing which I also do that whenever I go jogging in the morning, after running for about thirty minutes, I often sit down in a serene place, keep quiet for about ten to twenty minutes, mm. just gazing into the space, you know, um, cooling down after the jogging, mm. and that it it is something which is so powerful for me, wow. you know, whenever I do it in the morning. Mm. It's so powerful, yeah. Just, you know, staying down, looking up in the sky in a very cold morning, and then afterwards getting back home and taking a shower. And mm. that re-energizes me for the day. Mm. Mm. That's yeah. good. And, and I think it's always important to note that you need to develop good habits. You need to develop a good morning routine that that uh, sets you sets you on your way for the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah very. it's very important. Mm. And very important. do you feel like you've made it Oh, um, I, I, I haven't yet really made it out there. Mm. To me, I still believe that there's a lot that I have to do. Mm. There's a lot that I have to do. I realized yes, I've made steps, and uh, and I can see I've got. A, I have I have different accolades, but uh, I still believe that there's a lot that I have ahead of me. Mm. Mm. There's a lot of impact. There's a lot of change, and there's, there's a lot of growth that I still should be able to see and realize. Mm, mm. Yeah. And finally, for to close out the rapid fire round, what advice would you have given to your younger self? (laughs) Um, Sometimes, sometimes I I wish that, that I was, sometimes I wish I knew what I really wanted to be. What I really wanted to be right right now, you know, it it was because I look at myself right now and what what, what I aspire to be when I was still a kid, mm. and these are two totally different things. Because at first I wanted to be a medical doctor, mm. and then I never ended up in the medical industry. I'm in two totally different industry. Mm. So sometimes I, I wish I was advised that you know I I wish someone knew what I would turn out to be and able to advise me that, you know, this is what you should be able to do. Probably I would have gotten here where I am today about five years back. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that closes out the rapid fire round. I think you did, you did a pretty good job. I think some of those answers were very insightful. Um, (laughs) Thank you. And as we cool down, uh, we always ask what book you would recommend and you already, uh, we're preemptive in that you answer that question yes. for us already. You said, who will yeah. cry when you die? Yeah, who will cry when you die? Yeah, rich dad, poor dad. Those were the two that you yeah. gave, and I think those are those are definitely good books for the uh, for the listeners. It sort of gives you um, sort of some of that foundational thinking that you need when you're when you're 
um, working on yeah. endeavoring into into this. Uh, and and who will cry when you die? I'm sorry. Who will cry when yeah. you die? Actually, breaks it down to like like small steps. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what you ought to be able to do at different times of the day. Who you ought to be able to speak to. You know, it it, it breaks it down to small to small details of specifics. How you should run your day. You know, and how you should be able to plan for your day. And mm-hmm. all that. So it is. It is really a very powerful book if really one's able to get it and put it into practice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And we'll we'll definitely uh, if you subscribe to our newsletter, we'll definitely uh, send you links on where you can find those books. Um, and for you, it seems like you have this uh, extreme clarity and extreme focus. You've you've actually mentioned the word focus uh, earlier on, and I like that word. I use it as an acronym, meaning follow one course until success. And I think that's something that you uh, are able to do well. Uh, it's it's an acronym that uh, I've heard through another podcast that I listen to, Entrepreneur on Fire. Uh, very inspiring as well. Uh, but they repeatedly say, follow one course until success. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. Sure. but sure. yeah, be, uh, being that you have this uh, sense of focus, uh, it definitely comes from somewhere. So I want to know who are your mentors. Um, um, I've been lucky to be part of the program in Uganda. It's called the Mara Launch Launchpad, and uh, during that program, I was lucky to be mentored by a great African entrepreneur. Actually, the the first African entrepreneur to go to to go to the moon. I think the first or the second to go to the moon mm. is called Ashish Taka. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. Uh, so uh, I, I I was fortunate to be mentored by him for a period of about one year when I was starting up my venture. Mm. And uh, really, even right now, he's no longer mentoring me. But then I still follow through most of the advice which he offered me. Mm. I remember very well. He would I would meet him like once a month in his boardroom. He had a big boardroom and he would, you know, it had about 20 seats. So he would sit on one side and I would sit on the other one. He would keep on firing me questions, asking what I'm doing in my business, what I'm doing wrong and being able to offer advice and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and looping me in into his own personal networks mm-hmm. uh, to be able to get things going. So really, I gave it up all to Ashish Taka for, for the good job that he did for me. Mm. Um, uh, when I was setting up my venture, yeah, mm. yeah, and yeah. and what is that one piece of advice that he gave you that uh, that sticks with you? Um, I remember there was one. I, I know it. I remember there was a time I annoyed him, and he <laughs> told me, "Martin, get serious." Mm. I told you to do this last month, and you haven't done it this month. So he was. So <laughs> I hadn't seen him get so crazy with me mm. because I, I, I think I, I, you know, he actually asked me to always keep on delivering my promises. Mm. Yes. Like if, um, if, if you pledge that you're going to do something and you say yes to it, make sure that you follow through it. Mm. Yeah. To the end. Yeah. And, you know, so whenever, when the time when I didn't, I didn't follow through a task, he was so, furious and crazy with me that in in that boardroom meeting mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. it's I, I think it's it's really it, it's interesting sometimes as we get older we have this sense of uh, independence but uh it's it's actually really good to keep people around you who will keep you accountable to what you said you you will do and who also help you yeah. set smart goals uh it's important to set smart goals that you can 
reach that make you work really hard and 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 question yourself sometimes but uh keeping those people around you who keep you accountable of what you've said you would do true 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 yeah yeah and what advice would you give to those people who are listening right now who are afraid to take that next step that they know they should oh that's that's a tough question i think um um to all the listeners out there there is there is no perfect time for you to say that this i'm going to begin um in september or in december there's no perfect time and there is no um a specific amount of money that you be able that you need to be able to take that next step mm. but then it comes back to you as an individual to you as an entrepreneur or someone who wants to get out there and make a difference you just have to get out there and start mm. that's the most important thing you know as long as uh within you you should be able to have um you should be able to to put off that glare and you know get off all the barriers ahead of you which which are seemingly ahead of you and know that you can be able to go through all the bushes and go through and go through the muddy waters and get there and you do not have to see the end of the tunnel you don't have to mm-hmm. sometimes you know we mm-hmm. get stuck in the in, in the perspective that you know what is going to happen after about two years five years ten years the issue of visioning yes you need to be able to have a vision and know where you're going but at times um if you only look, if you try to look at what is at the end of the tunnel if you don't see the light then you, you may end up failing to start you do not have to see the light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. but as long as you have set a path that you know i'm going to go through here you just have to start then as you go along then you begin to see different lights and then afterwards you see the brightest light at mm. the end of the tunnel mm. wow i think that's that's really powerful uh it just yeah. it just reiterates how um being an entrepreneur is very reactionary it goes back to your story earlier when you said you planned everything out and it was hard to see anything that would that would derail you it's hard to see anything in sight but here life is throwing you curveballs left and right and it's it's about being able to react and not necessarily knowing what the end goal is uh sometimes you might be crippled with too much fear and you never end up acting but um as martin has just said act even when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel even when you can't yeah. see where you're headed just continue to act and know that your abilities as an entrepreneur will will sustain you and carry you to where you need to be yes wow i i think that's yeah. that's that's really that's a great piece of advice and yeah. as an entrepreneur in uganda what would you say is your general prescription for for entrepreneurs in your country um I think Uganda has been has been um uh has been published as one of the most entrepreneurial countries. Mm. Um Uganda is a beautiful country in that it's able to give you space. You're able to when you come up with an idea, you're able to get it out and wa- see it working out. That's the beauty of Uganda. That's why I love Uganda. Mm. And uh, the only challenge is that in the country um yes we have we are the most entrepreneurial country but then we also have the highest turnover of businesses hmm. in terms of businesses selling to work out that is also still very unfortunate because um I'll, I'll, uh, we tend to touch so many things but with but with no focus that's yeah. the challenge we have in Uganda yes we have the space to be able to create 
that which is beautiful. We have the space to create. We have the space to innovate, um, and to make and to make a difference. But then the challenge is that most of the ventures are not are not becoming successful at the end of the day. So you know that that's the downside, you know, of of Uganda. Mm. But um, but but in 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 general, in general, as a country, I think we're strong in entrepreneurship. And what we only need now is to be able to see that if you have these wonderful ideas coming up, if you have these wonderful people and the youth coming up with different ideas, how are you able to hold them up? How are you able to to get? How are you able to support them? make sure that these probably still feeble ideas are able to be kind of better to become a success. Mm. So the supporting structure and the mentorship um, uh, and, and the, the outstream environment, entrepreneurship support is what is actually lacking in my country. Mm. Mm. And that's what, that is what is actually killing businesses and ideas and mm. very many giving up and remaining um, and saying that they're actually jobless. Hmm. In the country, right. so that would be what, that is one of the hardships which we really experience here in Uganda. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And uh, what piece of advice would you give to those Ugandans who are living out somewhere in Europe, in in America, wherever they are, who want to come back and start uh, some sort of business at home? What advice would you give them? What actionable first step can you give them? Um, I think the the most important bit. It's for them to stop doing business by remote mm. and and just sending back money into Uganda and expecting people in Uganda to do the business on their behalf. Mm. Um, my 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 feeling, my gut feeling is that you know for the Ugandan out there, for the diaspora out there, you know whenever you have a moment to get back into the country, come back into the country, explore and see where you can have your energies very well. Mm. Where, and See which people you can be able to trust on the ground to, to work with you along the way. Mm. And then to also set deadlines of how long you're going to be out there in the state or wherever you are. Mm. Because if you expect to be successful in the country, you ought to also be present here at home. Mm. Then you know that probably set deadlines. I'm going to work for another probably three years, much so much work, and probably, and then, and then be able to run my venture in Uganda sustainably. Mm. That's that's very important. But most importantly, they need to be able to um, identify areas. If I tell you, you want to be there, identify areas whereby um, they can identify businesses and ventures that they can be able to focus on, even without being present here in the country. But then they should also know that to be able to see them as a big success, they should be able to be able to come back here on the ground and work on them because. Um, doing business by remote or just by email alone and expect to work to work on its own here in Uganda, it doesn't happen easily. Mm. And then also the other challenge we have in Uganda is that um, uh, we still have a challenge of trust. And I, th- I don't think that's actually only mm. only Ugandan problem, but it's an African an African mm. challenge mm. of being able to trust so many people to do business on your behalf um, without you without you being there. And uh, this is something which we have to work on as a country. Um, uh, and, 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 and actually as a continent to be able to be able to, be able to trust each other effectively. And then, and, and then the diaspora should be able to know that as they're out there, it's very important now for them to, to see that they can be able to pick up people that are trustworthy and who can be accountable to them as partners along the way mm. in the voting of their ventures. Mm. Mm. Wow. 
I think that that's really good actionable advice. Um, for those of you listening who want to go back to Uganda, you've gotten it firsthand. And I think it not only applies to uh, Ugandans, but to Nigerians, to Kenyans, to South Africans, yeah. people all over Africa. I think this is this is great actionable advice that you can take. And we can thank Martin for that. And yeah. I have a bonus question, actually. Uh, you can take <laughs> some time if you need to think of, over it a little bit. But um, okay. being an entrepreneur in, in agriculture in Uganda, what is one thing that you think needs to be created what is one opportunity that you see that you just don't have time for that you say wow if someone could tackle this problem they it, it would be an amazing solution um, 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 um. now when i look at agriculture in uganda i think there is a lot of space and opportunity in 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 bilateral addition in Uganda, hmm. most especially if one is focusing on on fresh or on on batching packaging hmm. and also extrusion technologies, hmm. I see it as a big opportunity. Why am I putting it that way? Um, because Uganda grows it has it's the biggest producer of bananas in Africa mm. and the second and the second in the world next to India in planting production. Yeah. And when you have a unique competitive advantage in agriculture compared to any other African country or you know or out there, then it's very, very important to focus on the opportunities which can come out of the competitive advantage that you have. Yeah. So my belief is that you know we with very good focus on the the unique attributes and products which can be able to come out of the binary chain that can be able to make millions and to make, be able to make a huge difference in the country here. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Wow, that's, I think we, we just yeah. got an inside scoop from, from Martin. So those of you listening who um, have been thinking of what to start in Uganda, thinking where to start, this is, this is a very actionable step that I think uh, Martin has shared with us. One more thing, you know, I talked about banal addition, but also I also strongly believe a lot in um, in value addition to cassava and the soybean. Those mm. three soya crops, cassava, soybean, and uh, soybeans and bananas. You know, those crops. We, if you look at all the different levels of value addition, which can be in the country, this can be able to move us steps and steps ahead, and the opportunity is still in these three different value chains. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Very good. And yeah. for those who have been listening, who have just been so inspired by what you've been saying, uh, how how can we connect with you? Maybe for mentorship opportunities, or some people who are looking to come back to Uganda and looking for um, internship opportunities. How can people get involved with you? And do those opportunities exist? Um, well, I think um, uh, I think below the podcast, you're able to put up my email address and mm. uh, all my email addresses, my Twitter handle, which is Salimat. I'm available on Facebook, uh, Salimatin, uh, which is my Facebook handle. I am on Instagram. I think I'll be able to give you my address on Instagram. I'm mm. available. I'm right there. And I also have also an email, salima at yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. So I can be able to be found there or, or Martin at smartphones.co.ug. 
So they're still one can able to reach me very well for anything or any clear insights which we can be able to work on in the country and also Africa at large. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So there you have it. Uh, we'll we'll definitely provide under um, Martin's Martin's page. We'll add all of those links uh, to allow you to be able to, co- to connect with him. Uh, Martin, this has been yeah. very inspiring. I, I am inspired to go and change change Africa at large. Uh, and I think you've inspired some of the listeners to do the same as well. Thank you. This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Overcast, or Stitcher. You can also follow Knowledge Bandits on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, Bandits, stay inspired.